Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Hayden Rogers, and this is an appendices episode to episode 7, Kill My Wand Law, about the origins of the magic wand and its history in fantasy literature. Magic wands and the fantasy genre are inextricably linked. I bet you could probably name a bunch of different characters or stories off the top of your head where the magic wand is a feature. From books to video games, films to fairy tales, magic wands are a part of the collective human experience. That's pretty incredible when you think about it. We all have some idea of how a wand supposedly works and what to do with it. We haven't all consumed the same stories, but yet it'd be hard to find anyone who wasn't at least a little familiar. Of course, maybe it's not so surprising when you consider that the wand, as a powerful stick or staff used to wield magic, has been a part of human history for as long as we know. To this day, wands are still used and believed to be powerful for various cultural or religious reasons. Let's take a look at the ancient roots of the magic wand and how it has influenced modern fantasy literature. There's no one definitive source for the origin of the magic wand. The idea that a stick or staff of power can wield magic is somewhat of a universal idea that many cultures independently came to the same conclusions about. Perhaps because of the way a simple stick is a universally useful tool, serving as the baseline starting point for many other tools in human development. From ancient Zoroastrian rituals, to spellcasters in Egypt, to Chinese practitioners, wands and staffs of significance are found all around the world. When it comes to literature and storytelling, the first references we know of to magical wands comes from Homer's ancient epic poems, the Iliad and the Odyssey written in the 8th century BCE. In all cases, Homer uses the word rabdos, which means rod, and implies something that is thicker and longer than the modern conception of wands. In these works, the gods Hermes and Athena both had wands of sorts, with which they toyed with mortals. Hermes carried more of a rod or staff with which he usually put mortals to sleep. In fact, it has a name. It's called the Caduceus, which means herald's wand or staff. Fans of the show Critical Role will recognise that name. Homer described Athena as using a wand to change Odysseus's age, making him old and then young again, and Circe, an enchantress and daughter of Hecate, goddess of magic, was depicted with a wand or staff with which she transformed her enemies into animals. These early stories are perhaps even the basis of Jadis, the white witch in C.S. Lewis's Narnia series, who turned her victims to stone with her wand. Though, given Lewis's love for Greco-Roman mythology, this was probably also inspired in part by Medusa, the Gorgon, 
other notable rods of power came out of Greek mythology too, such as the rod of Asclepius, also known as the staff, which was wielded by the so-named god of healing and medicine. Its symbol of a rod entwined by a serpent is used to this day by health organisations around the world, including WHO, the World Health Organisation. Despite such an early introduction to literature, wands only hit their stride in the Middle Ages. Italian fairy tales placed wands in the hands of fairies or fae creatures, perhaps ideas taken from the mythologies of the surrounding area. But there was also a boom of interest in magic and occult practices during this time, and wands came into fashion for practical use. The ideas of religious relics had long been a point of fascination within the medieval Catholic Church. These foundational beliefs in objects being able to hold godly power translated later into our idea of magical artefacts. Also, at the time, science, religion, and magic all intersected in various ways. Grimoires, tomes full of incantations and rituals, which are basically the origin of spellbooks as we know them in fiction, often called for the use of a wand. These early 13th century spellbooks gained popularity among the common people, and in the following century, the extremely popular grimoire, the Key of Solomon, began circulating. The Key of Solomon displays a version of magic that will be familiar to a modern audience. It has curses, incantations, bindings, summoning rituals, and more. It is in this period that the wand and our idea of magic today really began to take shape. Wands were often the tools used to create seals and helped bind supernatural forces. The Sworn Book of Honorius was a later grimoire which was heavily influenced by the Key of Solomon. It is supposedly the product of a conference of magicians who decided to condense all their knowledge into one volume. The book mentions two types of magical sticks, the wand and the staff, and even had specifications to ensure the power of the wand. It should be made from hazelwood or the wood of another nut tree. The branch must be from new growth. It must also be cut from the tree using a single stroke, and this must occur at sunrise on a Wednesday. In the 19th century, study of the occult boomed once again, and secret societies of nobles who practiced magic were popular in Europe. The most influential was the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, which was recently drawn upon for the Netflix series The Order. Many present-day concepts of ritual and magic that are at the centre of contemporary traditions such as Wicca and Thelema were inspired by the Golden Dawn. These groups are all responsible for how we perceive wands today, as wands were very much integrated into the practice of magic. Much of the inspiration for the world and magic of Harry Potter, as well as the appearance of wands, are drawn from these sources too. Harry Potter itself, of course, has radically popularised the magic wand in a way that it has never been before. However, few things cemented magic wands into fiction more securely than the movies. Namely, the movies popularised the glittery magic wand of children's fairy tales. MGM's The Wizard of Oz placed a sparkly scepter topped with the now iconic star in the hands of Glinda the Good Witch in 1939. Then, in 1940, Disney gave a wand to the Blue Fairy in Pinocchio, also adorned with a star, as well as Cinderella's fairy godmother in 1950, 
and the three fairies in Sleeping Beauty in 59. Around this time, J.R.R. Tolkien was publishing The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, in which Gandalf and other wizards use a magic staff, drawing from Anglo-Saxon mythology of the wizard. Interestingly, the name Gandalf was taken from a 13th century Scandinavian work that was part of the Poetic Edda and means elf wand in Old Norse. Of course, The Lord of the Rings, as we know, sparked the current popularity of fantasy novels. So, what can we learn from the history of wands in fiction? 1. Be inspired. Every writer or story I've mentioned in relation to the magic wand was inspired by real-world mythology or even contemporary magic. The wand has appeared so many times and in so many ways in the world, so use that knowledge to your advantage. 2. Be limitless. The magic wand is a tool of infinite possibility. Whenever it appears, it might do something completely different to the last time you saw it. Consider what it does for you. Who uses it and why? There are no rules and no wrong answers. 3. Evolve. From the ancient pages of Homer's Iliad to a fresh copy of Harry Potter, wands have been on a journey through fiction. All the ways we know them today are not how they were always known. It is a culmination of where we've been. So, where are we going next? Thanks for listening. For comments and corrections, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter. Just search for Kill My Darlings Podcast. You can comment on this episode blog, as with all episode blogs, at Hayden Rogers, that's R-O-D-G-E-R-S dot net, slash killmydarlings, or you can email in at killmydarlingspodcast at gmail.com. Lastly, if you enjoy my podcast and you want to show your support, please consider becoming a patron of Kill My Darlings on patreon.com slash killmydarlingspodcast. That's all for now. I'm Hayden Rogers, and I look forward to killing some darlings with you soon. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.